0: Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon.
1: This morning, we're starting a brand new series called Scared to Death. Many of you guys know, some of we need a teddy bear, right? These are some of the scariest moments we've ever had in our culture. These are uncertain times that we're facing. And if you're like most people, chances are you battled one or more many fears throughout your life. What's interesting though, they said studies show growing up that we were really just naturally afraid of two things. You know the two things we're afraid of, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. But when we grow, we accumulate all sorts of different fears. Some people have strange fears. I want to play a quick game this morning, and I'm going to name a phobia, and I'm going to see who can guess it. This first phobia is filmophobia. Does anybody know what filmophobia is? Filmophobia, anybody know? Anybody know? Filmophobia is the fear of kissing. My first couple of girlfriends had this in junior high, fear of kissing. (laughs) How how about this one? Nomophobia. Anybody know what nomophobia is? Anybody? Anybody out here? And I think a lot of us have nomophobia. It's the constant fear of not having your cell phone or not having cell phone service or being without your cell phone. How many of you guys point to your neighbor or your husband if they have nomophobia? How many of y'all have nomophobia right now? Yeah. How about this one? This, this phobia is osmophobia. Is any, if you're sitting close to somebody with osmophobia, you've got to get away from them. This is, is it, osmophobia is the fear of body odor. Man, I've struggled with this one over the years. It's pentrophobia. Anybody know what pentrophobia is? Pentrophobia. It's the fear of your mother-in-law. How many guys have pentrophobia? Raise your hand. She's not in here. You can't. Yeah. Just just, hey, you raise your hand and say, "Just kidding." Afterwards, that's what I would say. Here's this next one: Oprahphobia. What's Oprahphobia? Man, this was the craziest one. You know, Oprahphobia is this. It's the fear of being forced to read terrible book, books. Oprahphobia. This next fear is this. It's hapaphobia. And if, wherever you go, make sure you don't ever get close to somebody with hapaphobia. You know what hapaphobia is? It's the fear of being touched by somebody else. It's crazy. So the, I'm going to ask you a question this morning, Freedom Church. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of Heights? You're afraid of mice, you're afraid of snakes, you're afraid of spiders, are you afraid of clowns? Some people are afraid, man, clowns aren't scary unless it's after midnight. A a clown after midnight is nefarious, they're up to no good things, right? Everybody is scared of something. Here's, fear is not always rational, but it's powerful. We know that when we look at someone else's fear and we say, that's crazy. Why could they be afraid of that? But we all have our irrational fears. And when you, you have fear in your life, psychologists tell us we go into one of three modes. There's fighter, fight mode, flight mode, fright mode. Some of us are fighters. We want to fight. Some of us freeze up. Some of us run away. And right now, I would say that we're living probably the most fearful times in recent history. And for good reasons. We just made it through a pandemic. Many of us have lost loved ones. People are afraid for their health. We're experiencing right now, you talk about talking, man, record inflation. Have you tried the price of milk lately, the price of gas? People are afraid for their finances. And we've just seen the first war break out in Europe since World War II. People are afraid of the future. Everything seems uncertain. It seems like every year, every month, everything's changing. And when things are uncertain, fear wants to ride shotgun in our lives. And let me tell you something about fear. Fear comes from unbelief. Think about this practically for just a second. Why are most people afraid of snakes? Because they think a snake will bite them. They don't believe snakes are nice animals. But let me here to tell you, snakes are nice animals. Check this out. You can pet a snake. You can hang out with a snake. Snakes are. How many of you guys say snakes are nice animals? How many of you guys don't believe snakes are on You and never hold one. seat? man, they are nice animals. I've had boa constrictors. The only ones that are nice are cobras and rattlesnakes. Everything else, it's not going to hurt you. It has little, little, small teeth, man. Just punch it in the face, right? <True vicinity> but one of my biggest fears is water. I know, I know. Some of you guys don't know this. If you have but I can't swim. I'm good as long as my feet touch the bottom. But the moment that my feet can't touch the bottom, I panic. And the reason I'm afraid of water is this one. I don't believe I can float. I know people have said, t- Benito, relax, breathe, hang out, and they do all these exercises. Man, we I mean, all know, I, man, my body must be made of vibranium because I always hit the bottom. I don't float. No matter what happens, how many of you guys can't swim either? You're like, man, man like everybody tells you you can't swim. And this fear has caused me a lot of problems over the years. I remember when I first became a youth pastor in Dallas, and our first event, we went to Hurricane Harbor. It's one of the largest water parks there in the Dallas area. And, and, and I didn't want them to know their youth pastor was a chump, and I couldn't swim, so I'm doing everything. As long as I'm right here, even up to right here, I'm good. But the moment it comes right here, I'm dead, you know? So I remember there was, have you ever seen those slides with the blue mats? And it's really deep at the bottom, but I'm thinking, okay, like, let's go ride that. Okay, cool. I'm got to ride that up. But I said, man, I'm, I'm pretty chubby. I think I can get some velocity and get down there, and my momentum will take me to the end. I can just grab a hold of the. Cool. I don't care how deep it is, as long as I hold onto the mat, I'm good. So I remember going up to the mat, and I'm getting down there, and it looks higher and higher, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm good. Just hold onto the mat, Benito. Just hold onto the mat. I'm up there. I'm white-knuckling it. I'm getting ready. They let us go. I'm good. Boom! We're in the mat. But it didn't take me as far as I want. I'm in the middle of the pool, and I think I'm going to die. I can't reach anywhere. I can't reach there. I'm stuck in the mat, and I'm like, oh, I'm starting to panic. I'm like, I'm starting to go to the side. I said, help, help! I can't swim! I'm telling the lifeguard, I can't swim! And they said, sir, sir, stand up. And I stand up, and I'm, I'm like to the kids, like, sigh, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but, but, but our fears come from faulty beliefs. Let me tell you, fears reveal a lot about our faith. Here's what they do. Fear reveals where you trust God least. For example, if you're always worried about your marriage, you're not trusting God with your marriage. If you're always worried about your children, you're not trusting God to protect your children. If you're always worried about the future and what's going to happen in the future, and if you're so overwhelmed by the future and who's going to be in office and what's going to take place, you're not trusting that God is good and in control. If you don't trust God with your financial well-being, you're not going to tithe. You're not going to trust God. You're always going to worry. You don't trust that God will provide for you. Here's what I want you to do this morning. Be honest for a moment and answer this question. Fill in the blank. I'm not trusting God with what? Where do you fear the most? Your children? Your future? Your health? Your marriage? What is that one thing that causes you the most fear and the most anxiety? See, here's what fear is. Fear is vision without hope. It's seeing the future in the worst way and freaking out. This is the future, and it's going to be painful. It's going to be dreadful. I'm terrified about it. I'm stressed out about it, and I don't want it. Here's the big idea for my message this morning. Fear isn't always a sin, but it's an opportunity to sin or trust God. So what are you going to do in the midst of your fear? Let me, and this morning, we're going to learn from a man by the name of Joshua. He had every reason to fear and not trust God. Let me set the scene for you. Moses, Israel's Legendary leader and liberator, the lawgiver of Israel, who has led God's people for four decades, has just died. Now God has called a young man by the name of Joshua to lead his people into the promised land. Imagine having to succeed Moses in leadership. And Joshua 1 records this transition. This is what the scripture says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aide, it's your turn to lead. Joshua has to be thinking, wait, I can't do this. I've served this guy, this legend for decades. I'm just his assistant. I'm not qualified. I'm not ready. I don't have the skills. I don't have the knowledge. I don't know what's ahead. I'm afraid. But look at what God speaks to him in the midst of his fear in verse 2. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land, the land that I promised you. I am going to give it to them. Throughout scripture, I want you to notice this. Fear is always going to be attached to something specific that God has planned for you. An opportunity that you're intimidated by. A relationship, an endeavor, a calling. For instance, in this particular passage, fear is attached to taking the the promised land. And if the enemy comes at you with fear, know this. It means that he's trying to keep you from something that God has for you. In our text this morning, fear stands between Joshua and the children of Israel and everything that God has in store for them. And one of the ways I know when I'm praying and I'm asking God's direction on something, I, does it line up with the Bible? What are, the, what are my leaders and my, the elders of my life, the people I submit to, what do they think about it? What does my wife think? Do I, do I have peace? And finally at the end of the list, when I'm asking God's discernment, this is the next thing I ask, am I afraid of it? If it doesn't scare me, if I can accomplish it on my own, it's probably not God. Every time God has led me to do something significant that has done something significant in the kingdom, it was this, oh, crap moment. How am I going to do this? I, I remember the first time I... Left uh, New Mexico, where my family had grown up, and I've grown up there in Frescas Lane. My grandpa, my great grandpa, and everybody lived there. And God called me to be a pastor. Never been a pastor. I went to this place called Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie, Texas. Never been in Texas before. It's fearful to leave. What was I going to do? Every opportunity, every when I came to Round Rock, there was fear attached to it. Every expansion, every building, every major step, fear has been our constant companion. See, fear is not a sin, but it's an opportunity to sin or trust God. And sometimes fear is going to be the thing that's going to try to stop you from accomplishing everything that God has for your life. And there, in the story, we're going to see there's a fine line between faith and fear here for Joshua. And through Joshua's example, we'll learn to follow God's lead in our life with faith and not fear. And the first thing we need to do is this. We need to follow God's direction in spite of the fear. Turn to your neighbor and say, sometimes you got to do it afraid. Man, you, you know, you might. here's the thing. Courage is a cause that's greater than your fear. Doesn't mean that fear is going to be gone, but you have a cause that's greater than your fear. Joshua says, Move forward in faith, don't stay frozen in fear. I'll never forget my first varsity wrestling match. It was my sophomore year. My school had a really good wrestling team. We were the five time district champions. It was the first district match of the year. We were going to set the tone for the year in our Our school's best wrestler, Sean Abrams, who was the three-time defending state champion, nationally ranked wrestler, was sick. He was a 130-pound wrestler, and guess who was his backup at 130 pounds? This guy right here. 30 years ago, I know it's hard to believe, I was a 130-pound mean lean fighting machine. That's before I discovered Texas brisket, I'm just saying. And stepping in and wrestling for a three-time state champion is very intimidating. I was scared. I didn't want to lose. I just had this fear of not losing. To add to the pressure, it was the first district match of the year. Everybody was going to be there. I couldn't sleep that night. I had butterflies in my stomach all day long. My hands were cold. My feet were cold. My body felt numb. My heart felt like it was going to come out of my chest. I had cotton mouth. When I started the mouth, I looked at my opponent and said, that's a man. I'm still a kid going to puberty. I remember locking up with him and I got rug burned because he was so hairy on his arms and his legs. And he smelled, he smelled like a half-eaten burger that has been baked in your back seat for two days in the Texas sun. And I was looking at him, I'm usually aggressive, I'm usually, I "I can't lose, I can't lose, I can't lose. I don't want to be the one to lose, I don't want to be the one to lose. And before you know it, the first two rounds went by, and he was dominating me. I knew how many lights were in the ceiling from all the time I spent on my back. But before the third round, round Coach McCurney, he got my attention. He says, get it together. Move. Get aggressive. And he said another, some other expletives I'm not ever going to say. And then he said this, Benito, you've been wrestling Sean Abrams all year long in practice, and you hold your own. This punk, that's the word. Not, that might not be the word. He said, can't beat you. You're afraid to lose. Get aggressive. Listen. So the third round started. And it's time top, bottom. So I chose the bottom. And he said, Benito, I want you to get up there. You're stronger than him. Get up forceful. I want you to control his hands. So the bottom position. Control his hands. I'm getting up. Got the escape. Yes. He says, you're so afraid. Ah, this is what I want you to do. Man, I want you to shoot in. Be aggressive. Get a double leg. And I go for a deep double leg. So I did. I tapped down. Went for a double leg. Picked him up. Put him down, got the takedown. Now this is what I want you to do next. I want you to do a tight waist and ankle and I want you to break him down. So I broke him down and I want you to do a cross face cradle. Put force, put a cradle around him. I squeezed him with these bulging biceps. I put him down there and I won my first of may I say many varsity matches. but it all happened because I started moving and trusting what coach was telling me to do. I was so focused by fear, I was trapped. And many of you are like I was that first two rounds. We focus so much on who and what and the circumstances we're facing. I can't lose. I can't lose. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. But God has instructions and he has promises. And if we wouldn't just focus on the opponent that's in front of us and we would focus on the promises of God and the instructions of God's word, God could do in our lives what we could never do. Because when we follow God's instructions in faith instead of standing still in fear, God moves. It's step-by-step trust in God. Listen to the constructions that God gives Joshua in verse 3. I will give you every place, but there is a responsibility where you set your foot. you got to put your foot there. I'm not just going to give it to you. What are you willing to trust God with this morning, Freedom Church? Are you willing to just say yes to God? Will you obey him in your family, your finances, your career? Here's the thing. We all want to experience miracle moments. We all want to experience these great things with God, but we never want to put ourselves in a place where we need a miracle. And this morning, I want to introduce you to a lady in our church. She's a hero. She stepped out into God's plan in spite of her fears. Her name is Melanie, and I want you to hear her story.
0: I'll give it up for Melanie. Melanie. So this is Melanie. She's uh, been at Freedom Church for a while, just over 10 years now. So she's got an interesting story. So I have a few questions for you. Um, And we're going to let the people know, like, while you're up here. So foster care, what led you into fostering?
2: Um, So I got into foster care about 2014. Um, It was something that God had placed in my heart for a while. Um, But like Pastor Pino was saying, There was fear there, and I wasn't ready internally to answer that call. But um, in 2014, I really listened to what God was saying and asking me to do and took that step in faith and decided to open my home to um, kids who needed a home.
0: And so some of us know Jake, some don't. And after today, if you don't, you will know who Jake is. Uh, But what age was Jake whenever you fostered him?
2: So I met Jake when he was six months old. Um, interesting story. I had a foster daughter that had been with me who had left about two and a half months before. And I had told myself that I needed minimum three months to be ready to, to do this again. And um, I was at work. And, you know, when you don't have kids, you can leave your phone anywhere. But when you have kids, you have to have it with you. So with no kids, I left my phone in the office and gone to lunch. Um, when I came back, because um, they had placed my, my home on hold. When I came back, there was a message from my foster agency, and I was so surprised, so I picked it up, and they said, hey, Melanie, like, I know you're on hold right now, but we got a six-month-old boy, and it was three days before Christmas. And they said, you have 10 minutes to call us back if you're interested, or we're going to move on to another family. It, was, it had been seven minutes since she left that message. So I immediately called my best friend, Sunny. Some of you know Sunny. Because um, had walked through this whole journey with me and knew what this process looked like and knew where I was at, and um, her and some amazing friends had just been so supportive. So I called her and she's like, yes, it's three days before Christmas, yes. Of course, you're ready. And so I called back and I, Jake was at my door two and, a half, two and a half hours later, and we got to celebrate his first Christmas together three days later.
0: So I mean, that's beautiful, yeah. And obviously, you've been open about your your journey with um, fostering, and but can we just ask, how difficult was this process?
2: It's hard. It's a, <laughs> it's a hard process. Um, one, you have to answer the call and take that leap of faith, right, and trust God through the whole thing. Um, but it's difficult because you're saying yes to the hurt and the pain and this and being scared. Um, but it's worth it if you can take that pain away from a kid who would feel that. Just if you could ease it just a little bit, it's worth to take it on. So yes, it's, it's hard, but I wouldn't want it another way.
0: And so you went from fostering to adoption. Can you tell us, like it's kind of a two question, but what led to the adoption and what was going through your mind? How to it be scary? like Because of that decision, you're automatically becoming a single mother.
2: Yeah, um, so I was foster only. Um, that was my, my plan, my plan. You know to to foster and help kids in this you know as a as a transition the goal of foster care is reunification, right you want they want to get the kids back to their parents um and help the parents kind of get the skills and things they need to do to you know be the parents they need to be um so that was the goal but about a year and a half in um about a year in my foster agency asked you know reunification may not be happening would you adopt? And immediately I said, yes, of course. You know, he's Jake. He's, he's our family. Um, so, yes, I, I said yes, but, um, you know, I just had to, but I had to believe that if I was supposed to be his family, that God would make that happen. Yes, I wanted to be his forever family, but I had, I would pray that if that wasn't me, that God would find the family that he's supposed to be, right, and had to trust God to to do that and not hold it in my own well um and you know being a single parent yeah it's hard but I'm not alone I have the best support system ever you know I would call when I'm like why won't he stop crying or you know (laughs) you know I can't get him to eat or um the first time we had to do a visit with his bio mom and I was so nervous um I would call them and they would pray for me and support me and love me and um like I was just so so blessed to have them
0: I love that. And I love that the church, there's a picture of the church there at the...
2: That's Adoption Day. Adoption Day.
0: And then he was actually uh, dedicated at Freedom Church as well. He tells, how much did you have to rely on God through this process? And what gave you that confidence moving into the adoption process?
2: I mean, the whole time, right? From the answering the call to, you know, just having faith that was going to work out the way. And I think the confidence is God gave me the people, the community, the church you know, um, the resources to do this. I could not have done this in my own well. Like, the fact that we're a forever family is because of God. God did that.
0: Last question Where are you at now in your journey?
2: Oh, my journey. Um, so, <laughs> so, right now, I have the opportunity. Um, I've been able to open my home to three of my amazing nephews, and they're in their transitions of their lives. So, you know, they're with me right now. Um, and one of them, my oldest nephew, Um, I get to walk in his journey as a parent to his two-and-a-half-year-old, and and I get to provide a safe and loving home for them and help, you know, give him some tips of parenting. And, you know, my prayer for them is that, you know, they feel the same love and support, and they feel like people are praying for them as they walk through this journey. Um, Yeah, that's where I'm at.
1: (laughs) Wow, wow. Man, yeah, I told you Melanie is a hero. Melanie, can you just stay up here? Isn't this just one of the most godly people yeah. you can ever know?
2: Just, man, let's, just
1: raise your hand towards Melanie. She's living out of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for Melanie and thank you for Jake. and I thank you for the heart of the Father inside of her, God, that is just bringing in, Lord God, the hurting and the broken. Just provide for her financially, God. Bless her. Lord God, meet every one of her needs. Lord, and I just pray special blessing. I pray, oh Lord, I just pray as our church, we exceed for overwhelming, I pray for extra money for vacations, Lord. This is what I pray. I pray that you take care of those little small things that she's not even thinking of God. Yes, I pray that you would spoil her, Jesus, and that your hand would just rest on her life. And, and Lord, in all this, I'm just think, thankful to she, she's one of our lead key, uh, kids team right here, loving our kids, Lord. I thank you for Melanie and the blessing she is. Amen. Amen. Did I not tell you that's a, <laughs> Melanie is amazing. We've got some amazing people here at Freedom Church. But here's what I know about God's plan God's plan is always going to scare you. You're always going to have an oh crap moment when you follow God. And God has a command for you in those moments when you're afraid. You know what that command is? Fear not. This is the most frequently mentioned command in the entire Bible. It's been mentioned over 300 times. And if God says something a lot, it's really important, and it? it's a real problem. But behind this command, he just doesn't say, fear not. There's a promise that accompanies it. And we're going to see what Joshua tells as he gives him this command and this promise in verse 5. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. So I was with Moses. I will be with you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead this people and you will inherit the land. Moses, up to this day, is the ultimate Jewish persona. He experienced some of the greatest miracles in the pages of Scripture. But I so love the promise that God gives Joshua. As I was with Moses, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. Because what made Moses a great leader? God. What will make Joshua a great leader? God and what happens here is Moses was a great leader because he believed and he trusted in a great God and Joshua became a great leader because he trusted in a great God and God promised to be with Joshua if you read the book of Joshua you will see there's no other way to explain his life man the walls of Jericho fall down the Jordan River parts the sun stands still he has only God moments in his life and as you begin to trust God as you put your life out there you're going to need some only God moments only God but you got to put yourself out there you got to say God I will trust you and I love it the main character of Joshua's story isn't Joshua it's Joshua's God and here's what I want to tell you I want to encourage you the main character in your story isn't you it's your God this takes a lot of pressure off the fear is gone look what Joshua look what God tells Joshua in verse 9 it's so so important so powerful have I not commanded you Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. I want you to notice the promise that God makes Joshua. What does he say? I'll be with you. So are like, wait a minute, Benito, you're repeating yourself. Do you know why I'm repeating myself? Because God's repeating himself to Joshua. God tells Joshua in verse 5, I'm going to be with you. Be strong and courageous. And then again, he tells him the same exact thing in verse 9. Because God wanted to remind Joshua before he moved forward, just in case you forgot, because it's easy to forget, I'm with you. If you're going to overcome fear, here's what you need to know. It's probably the most important thing. You've got to constantly remember that God is with you. This promise is not just for Joshua's life. It's for you. He said this same thing in different ways to different people facing different circumstances. It's the promise given throughout scripture to God's people all over the place, over and over again, starting in Genesis. In Genesis 3, when the first father, Adam, he's naked and afraid. What is God's answer to Adam's fear? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to come alongside of you. He tells Abraham in Genesis 15, 1, fear not, Abraham, I'm your shield. God tells Abraham, like a shield goes in front of you, I am present with you. I will protect you. He tells Moses in Exodus thirty three fourteen, 14, my presence will go with you. Moses is asking, how can I lead a whole bunch of knuckleheaded people through, through the wilderness? Lord God, where's the promised land? And God says, he doesn't say, here's a map. He says, I am, I'm with you. He tells Joshua, I'm with you. He tells Elijah on the battlefield in the brink of war in 2 Kings 115, fear not. Talk about fear. Battles is Imminent. Am I going to get hurt? Am I going to get killed? Am I going to live? Am I going to be forever wounded? Will we win? Will we lose? God doesn't give us any of that. But here's the promise. Fear not, I'm with you. He tells King David in Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall have no fear for you are with me. In Daniel 10, 12, he says, fear not, Daniel, I have come. In Haggai 2, 4 and 5, he says it three times. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Why? Why? because you've taken martial arts, because you know wrestling, because you've been lifting weights, because you're a UFC fighter. No, because I'm with you and I'm the Lord God Almighty. And this is not just for men, it's also for women. Jesus' own mother in Luke one thirty, he tells Mary, fear not. She's a teenage girl. She's pregnant. What are people going to think? She has no husband. She could be put to death. And the angel says in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come. Do not be afraid, teenage girl, because I will be with you. We're all going to have fear. We're going to have moments where we are going to be overwhelmed with our families, with circumstances. But God has a command for you. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm with you. Fear not. I'm with you freedom church I really want you to believe that this morning your God is with you whatever God's calling you to do whatever the future holds when times get the hardest and the grief goes the deepest remember he's with you when you're forced to make a change you don't want to make remember God is with you When you feel alienated and betrayed by those you love, remember, God is with you. When you worry about not having enough, He is with you. When you're exhausted from another day of caring for those precious toddlers that sometimes go from angels to demons in just a moment's notice, He's with you. When you need to a, have a difficult conversation in work or in family, He's with you. When you don't feel like you're strong enough or you are enough or the challenge you're facing is bigger than you thought, He's with you. When you're weighed down by anxiety and stress, He's with you. In the midst of that family trouble, He's with you. When you're scared of what's ahead, He's with you. When yourself, when you find yourself at a breaking point like you can't make it, He's with you. He's for you. He's in you. He won't forsake you and He won't leave you. He is your God. Paul in the New Testament, he's writing to his young protege, Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.7, he says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Our God's a gift giver. But here's one thing that God does not give. He does not give fear out. So if God doesn't give it, who gives it? The enemy. So one thing that God will never wrap up in a bow and give it to you is fear. God doesn't do fear. But what does he give? He gives love. He gives power. And he gives a sound mind. Look at the, next per- look at the person next to you and say, is this okay? You're not crazy. You're okay. You have a sound mind. Because reality is sometimes we don't feel like we're okay. And the reality is your mind doesn't feel sound sometimes. You hit a, the right traffic jam on the right day in I-35 and you lose it. The kids have the right argument in the right setting. The boss gives you the right task at the right moment. But remember, in those moments, God doesn't give you fear but a sound mind. I, I know it doesn't feel sound sometimes. If you're like me, sometimes you have six different voices that come at you at any moment, right? You're like, Lord, which is you, which is not? I'm going crazy here. But Paul tells us that the battle of fear is won in the mind. Those are the same exact instructions that God gives Joshua in verse 8. Look what he says in verse 8. Keep this book of law on your lips. Meditate on it. Think about it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So if you're going to overcome fear, you need to follow God's direction in spite of your fear. You need to remember that God is with you always. And the final instruction on overcoming fear, according to this text, is you must renew your mind with God's word regularly. The word Hebrew, meditate, is the Hebrew word yage. It means to moan, to mumble to yourself. The root word of this meaning is an animal, a cow that chews up the cud. It, so write this down if you're taking notes. You need to learn to be like a cow. Jennifer gets mad at me because when the food is really good, I make these moaning sounds. Mmm, this is good. <laughs> oh, how many of you guys are like that? You like to talk to your food if it's really good. I'm one of those guys. I love to talk. Oh, it's brisket. Oh, Oh, this salsa, that's ketchup. It's not salsa. But anyway. That's how we need to be towards God's word in our lives. We need to talk about, oh, this is good. This is awesome. This is life. This gives me strength. See, to win the battle of fear out there, it's got to be won in here. That, that's, that's what Joshua, God's telling Joshua. The reason many of us get so fearful is we get lost in our own negative thoughts. We get consumed. We get a sickness. We get a little pain. We get on WebMD. We do a bunch of research. And we I got terminal cancer. I'm going to die. And your mind goes crazy. How many are like that? Yeah. We spend so much time meditating on negative news and social media. That's what's happened to our culture the last year. We've been on CNN and Fox or whatever news thing and we've just got so oh, we're going to die. And they tell you all the ways that you're going to die. You're going oh, to die by war. No, we're going to die by a pandemic. No, you're going to die by inflation. And they're just telling you all the ways that you're going to die. But God is telling Joshua in this instant: it's time to get your face out of Facebook and it's time to put it in my book and realize that is going to take away the fear and it's going to Elevate you to a whole different type of faith. See, here's what you need to learn, Freedom Church. You need to learn to speak God's word over your life, to preach to yourself. Mmm, this is
2: good.
1: If you're going to make it past fear, you've got to learn to be the best preacher, you know. You've got to learn to preach to yourself. Dr. James Gills is a world-renowned ocular surgeon. He's the only human on earth to have competed, completed a record-setting six double-iron triathlons. He completed the last one in his mid-50s. And they asked him, how were you able to finish all those triathlons? This is what he was quoted to saying: I've learned to talk to myself instead of listening to myself. How do you talk to yourself? How do you mumble? How do you moan? You've got to learn to talk God's word in your life. This is how I preach to myself because let me tell you, fear is my constant companion just like yours. But i got to remind myself all the time, you know what, God doesn't do fear. He doesn't give fear. That God has not given me a spirit of fear, but i got a spirit of power, of sound mind and love. i got to say that. When I face opposition, i got to learn to preach Psalms 22, 7. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord our God who is greater than any other name, who is higher than any other name, who is more powerful than any other name. When I face attacks and I know it's from the enemy, I says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And when I'm confused and I don't know what to do and the future seems uncertain, I just got to quote the Proverbs. Lord, if I acknowledge you in all my ways, mighty one of Israel, you will direct my path. You are my shepherd. You are my shelter. You are my shield. And when you learn to mumble to yourself, God's word, "Mm, this is good. This is gonna direct me. This is gonna lead me. Guess what happens? Faith will rise in your life. See, you defeat fear by meditating on God's word. God's word magnifies God, and guess what happens? Your fears get minimized all at the same time. That's the key to overcoming.